didn't want me to come here, but I brought him along anyhow. Where's Mr. Wolf? I indicated the door to the office, went and opened it, and ushered them in. I have never figured out Wolf's grounds for deciding whether or not to get to his feet when a woman enters his office. If they're objective, they're too complicated for me, and if they're subjective, I wouldn't know where to start. This time he kept his seat behind his desk in the corner near a window, merely nodding and murmuring when I pronounced names. I thought for a second that Mrs. Rackham was standing gazing at him in reproach for his bad manners, but then I saw it was just surprised disbelief that he could be that big and fat. I'm so used to the quantity of him that I'm apt to forget how he must impress people seeing him for the first time. He aimed a thumb at the red leather chair beyond the end of his desk and muttered at her, "'Sit down, madam.' She went and sat. I then did likewise at my own desk, not far from Wolf's and at right angles to it. Calvin Leeds, the cousin, had sat twice, first on the couch toward the rear and then on a chair which I moved up for him. I would have guessed that both he and Mrs. Rackham had first seen the light about the same time as the twentieth century, but he could have been a little older. He had a lot of weather in his face with its tough-looking hide, his hair had been brown but was now more gray, and with his medium size and weight he looked and moved as if all his inside springs were still sound and lively. He had taken Wolf in and the surroundings too, and now his eyes were on his cousin. Mrs. Rackham spoke to Wolf. "'You couldn't very well go around finding out things, could you?' "'I don't know,' he said politely. "'I haven't tried for years, and I don't intend to. Others go around for me.' He gestured at me. "'Mr. Goodwin, of course, and others as required. You need someone to go around?' "'Yes,' she paused. Her mouth worked. "'I think I do, provided it can be done safely. I mean, without anyone knowing about it.' Her mouth worked some more. "'I am bitterly ashamed, having at my age, for the first time in my life, having to go to a private detective with my personal affairs.' "'Then you shouldn't have come,' Leed said mildly. "'Then you have come too soon,' Wolf told her. Too soon? Why? You should have waited until it became so urgent or so intolerable that it would cause you no shame to ask for help, especially for one as expensive as me. He shook his head. Too soon. Come back if and when you must. Hear that, Sarah? Leeds asked, but not rubbing it in. Ignoring him, she leaned forward and blurted at Wolf. No, I'm here now. I have to know. I have to know about my husband. Wolf's head jerked around to me to give me a look intended to scorch. But I met his eye and told him emphatically, No, sir. If it is, she fibbed. I told her we wouldn't touch divorce or separation evidence, and she said it wasn't. He left me and demanded, Do you want your husband followed? I... I don't know. I don't think so. Do you suspect him of infidelity? No, I don't. 
Wolf grunted, leaned back in his chair, squirmed to get comfortable, and muttered, Tell me about it. Mrs. Rackham's jaw started to quiver. She looked at Leeds. His brows went up, and he shook his head, not as a negative apparently, but merely leaving it to her. Wolf let out a grunt. She moved her eyes to him and said plaintively, I'm neurotic. I am not, Wolf snapped, a psychiatrist. I doubt if... She cut him off. I've been neurotic as long as I can remember. I had no brother or sister, and my mother died when I was three. And my father didn't enjoy my company because I was ugly. When he died, I was twenty then, I cried all during the funeral service, not because he was dead, but because I knew he wouldn't have wanted me so close to him all that time, in the church and driving to the cemetery.